Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the King Kong Minute podcast, the show where we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate the 2005 film King Kong one minute at a time. I'm Terry. And I'm Steven. And today we're going to be talking about minute number nine. This minute starts with Carl's harebrained pitch to the producers and ends with one of my favorite lines in this movie. What are you, an idiot? <laughs> uh, it's Jack Black's delivery. I love it. And once again, this week we are joined by my old college buddy, Kyle Lindsay. Happy to have him back. I'm, um, yes, I'm uh, happy to be here. <laughs> Yeah, yes, that, yeah, that's says. that is that's well, that's you all. Over, what are you, an it? idiot? Why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so all right, who's breaking the ice? How's this starting? Um, I kept trying to think of a joke about like, um, the plan has changed, the script has been rewritten, life intervened. <laughs> uh, I kept think trying to think about a joke to make about that. It's like that is the last thing you want to say, introducing something, but I, I couldn't think of anything. Like, there's a joke there. I know there is. Uh, so my joke yeah. is sort of... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry. go for it. Go for it. Okay, so me being the massive Jurassic Park fan that I am, every single time he says, oh. uh, the script has been rewritten. <laughs> Life, I expect him to say, found a way. Uh. <laughs> every single time. Life uh, doesn't happen. Yeah. Finds a way. This yeah. movie and... Sorry, Jurassic Park was actually heavily, heavily, heavily inspired by King Kong. Um, I'm actually, I just got a book that was, yes, exactly. I was reading a book that, um, it was like the ultimate visual history to Jurassic Park Mm. and already I'm like 30 pages in, it's had four references to King Kong. So I mean, yeah. I mean, King Kong's original was groundbreaking effects and Jurassic Mm. Park, same thing. Same heritage. Yep. What do they got in there? King Kong? So mm-hmm. I, I, must, uh-huh. I must admit the first thing I thought of when he's like pulling out the little little map, you know, is just mm-hmm. like, it's mm-hmm. like, I have a map and it's just like El Dorado, you know, it's, like, it's like, yeah. Um, yeah. So looking at the first couple of seconds of this, you know what I'm going to say? Freaking pinstripes again. <laughs> More pinstripes. Did did, a, did did the pinstripes hurt your like wound someone deeply in your family? <laughs> you don't know about my life. <laughs> Apparently the not. P, the <laughs> P in PTSD stands for pinstripes. <laughs> yes. With a capital P that rhymes with P S pinstripe. Pinstripe. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's it's nothing deeper than just the fact that I think it's a really often poorly done fabric and pattern. I think pinstripes can be done well. I just think a lot of the time they are just bold, like too bold and ill-fitting. Too bold and okay. ill-fitting. Interesting. So what's a good example of pinstripe usage? Yeah. Um, chalk. Okay, so I'm going to get a little to a sartorial nitpicking here, but <laughs> this is just, and this is just my personal preference, but I like chalk pinstripes, which are where the stripes themselves are slightly faded along the edges. It's not like as bold um thread usage um it is slightly more interwoven with the rest of the fabric so it just kind of fades and blends into the darker fabric a bit more so it's a much more subtle pinstripe which i personally like rather than just eclectic bold pinstripes it's a nitpick it's my personal thing but there it is i want to be surprised that you had an answer prepared for that question but i'm not (laughs) i know you too well for that (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> um, 
Next thing. Uh, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm drinking up Jack Black's performance as Denim here. Mm-hmm. Um, saying life intervened and then just snapping the map out of his pocket like that. It is such a crisp, clean transition. I just have to imagine like that. It's like when they were looking at the takes, and it's like, no, just see that. No, that's it. That's it. Just keep rolling. That's it. That's the one. We're sticking with this one. <laughs> he does. He like um, whips it out to the side like that. Uh huh. I also know that they went through a lot of takes of this scene. If you look at the gag reel, yeah. Um, oh, really? Apparently, the original lines for this, um, it's like, oh, beyond. It's like the original line is like beyond human comprehension, or like just something like that. And Black just could not. <laughs> it just kept tripping over it, and they just had to keep redoing it. Oh man. Um, the uh, sorry to keep railroading this no, um, no, but good. um okay i know we're trying to avoid talking about stuff from minutes ahead <laughs> mm-hmm. but i have to for this one so i i don't know i forget which minute it is exactly but it's the minute right after um englehorn basically says that they're, they're diverting to rangoon and there's nothing that you're gonna be able to do about this and mm-hmm. you're finished mm. basically and um denim and driscoll are like leaning over the uh railing of the ship and Driscoll points out, like, what's this? And he's like, I don't know, what is it, a coffee stain? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, the ominous Kong marking. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's like you could clearly tell that it's supposed to be the first time that Denim has ever noticed this mark. <laughs> you look at the scene right here. It's right there yeah. over his hand. It it's very prominent. He definitely saw that. So has he actually spent a lot of time looking at the map? Or does he just know it's there and he keeps it in his pocket to look at later? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a it's a I it's a plot hole. That's the only thing I can come up with. Honestly, this scene I have torn feelings about a little bit. Really? Yeah, a little bit. Honestly, this is one of those ones that when I rewatch this movie, I always feel like this was the moment where we had nice build up, nice build up, and then we had to have a moment where we quickly went, "We gotta get a Skull Island." That's why we're going. And it was just like it always (laughs) felt like a little. A little like man he just throws that out there and i know it's like you know i could definitely see that within his character but i always felt like he was just like is this how you want to introduce this to the execs just kind of like yeah here it is we're going to this weird island no one's ever mm-hmm. known about anyway see ya buddy i'm like <laughs> this absolute crack pipe dream of yeah life. <laughs> i was like i mean i feel like you might have sold this a little better maybe you know hey we got an expedition the united states wants to build nukes there i don't know something there you go. That'll do it. Um, but I mean that that is denim through and through. He doesn't make logical sense. Yeah. He goes completely in on his heart, and it's like we said last time. He goes all in. Literally, go. He goes for broke. Fair, fair, fair. Um, I think this would be a good time to bring up the original uh opening to the ninety something first draft for this mm. uh movie mm. before they scrapped oh, it. Oh yeah. Because in that story is very different. And this is where I could see Ian McKellen stepping in, but uh mm. Anne Darrow's father was a um oh what was it, archaeologist? Yeah. I think I believe archaeologist and he was he had um ties to discoveries of Skull Island and what was it, someone broke in and murdered him Mm -hmm. and tried to keep it quiet basically Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i guess in that draft jack driscoll was his assistant so yeah which that would have been maybe too indiana jones ish i think for this movie yeah it is a little bit um (laughs) 
I mean, that being said, the common ground between Indiana Jones and like a uh, King Kong style storytelling is kind of fascinating to think about. Yeah. That's um, true. I remember there was this uh, Indiana Jones novel I read when I was a kid where it was kind of like led to um, this. It was actually set uh, pre Temple of Doom, actually, because hmm. the uh, sidekick of his that gets shot at the beginning of the movie um, featured throughout the story. Um, but it basically it leads to him discovering uh, Shangri-La, essentially, oh. where the like with the last living Triceratops, actually. Oh, OK. That's um, yeah, that is a lot like this, isn't it? <laughs> Mm-hmm. didn't expect um that. and it's like you know the whole thing of indiana jones is like the preservation of history and it's like in the story it featured the triceratops guarding like a clutch of eggs mm. and so it was like it was really fascinating for me as a kid i ate it up because it was like a blending of indiana jones with jurassic park with king kong <laughs> uh sounds like the best movie ever made to me it, it, it's yeah. kind of interesting how that has carried since such like so early in film this like desire i mean even before that in literature but just this desire to find to to find the hidden parts of the world it's kind of like very Mm. early on in like the last couple of like centuries we were like man the rest of where we're we're figuring everything out there's like nothing left to discover we've got to find the lost world we've got to find like mm-hmm. you know the the holy grail we've got to find all this stuff well, and what if there's an island out there that we've never discovered you know what i mean like it's just this mm-hmm. it's well, to yeah. quote denim the la- the last blank spot exactly on the map. and yeah. it's like uh it's like reference uh, that's referenced in the second pirates of the caribbean even like the world is being mm-hmm, filled mm-hmm. in and it's like there's mm-hmm. this interesting desire to fill it all in while we simultaneously like you know denim is like oh i can fill it like you said fill it in but it's this also this longing to never do it. We really don't want to. We don't want to find the last island. We don't want to find the last treasure. Mm-hmm. We really don't. We want to believe there's a, a triceratops somewhere out there that we'll find. It's almost a less toxic version of like Manifest Destiny or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like a, a version of manifest destiny with like that's a bit more just like pure childlike wonder of just mm-hmm. never really wanting to reach the horizon of always wanting there to be something else to find and explore yeah that's probably why i like star trek so much yeah that's fair yeah. Yeah. on the bright side i don't think unless uh people just get a whole lot of courage and a whole lot of money that we're going to be exploring uh the bottom of the ocean anytime soon in its entirety so <laughs> james at least we yeah. have that james cameron's like oh yeah Watch, watch me go um, watch me and you know i'm not saying that hb lovecraft was absolutely any kind of a role model in any capacity <laughs> are you not i oh, no. when i look at like the marianas trench and all that yeah. i really like it's almost eerie how well his line about we live on an island surrounded by dark seas of ignorance mm. and i do not believe we were ever meant to voyage far from it mm. it's like you know in certain circumstances there is some truth in that of like a healthy dose of caution oh yeah when diving into the unknown like that i mean and i think that theme is definitely represented here in this movie yeah so it's not a tangent yeah (laughs) yeah no sure it's like it's related yeah it's like and it's a kind of a different attitude which i enjoy seeing in the uh 2005 versus the original is kind of the Mm -hmm. more like character driven it's like we understand why he wants to be great. He wants he's had so many failures. He's had close successes, it just mentioned, you know. Um, but 
he never quite gets there. And he's at this point, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll, I'll pitch this, mm-hmm. I'll pitch this island. Well, we're going to go, you know, someplace they've never been. They have no idea what's on this island. They have no idea who lives there. But he's like, you know what, we're going to go. And it's like, you understand that more. And in the, like, in the, especially the older movies, and I, I feel like there's a sense of that in the, in the original, where it's just kind of like a very, like, 1930s attitude, American attitude of, like you're saying with Manifest Destiny. It's just like, we get, we mm-hmm. take we take, you know, we show yeah. up, we shoot, we do things. And, and we plant the American yeah, flag. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, it's almost, yeah, there's the whole Beauty and the Beast concept, obviously. And, uh, but there is this attitude of like, we, we as Americans will conquer. We conquer these unknown mm. lands. And this yeah. movie, and this is the beginning of it, where he pulls out this map, even the music, you know, it's like, it's this attitude. It's like, mm-hmm. you are going maybe further than we should maybe we shouldn't be so gung-ho maybe we should think Mm -hmm. about this maybe we're gonna hurt something we have no business touching yep it's like that first hint of you know we look at the um primates in the central park zoo Mm -hmm. you know we are accustomed to looking upon the shackled form of a conquered monster Mm -hmm. this map is the first hint of that monstrous and free on the other side of the coin yeah Mm -hmm. yeah on on the note of the music playing, this is the first, aside from opening credits, I believe the first introduction of the, I don't know what to call it, the adventure theme, the island theme, the do yeah. do 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 do, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. That's I, that's why it's the intro to the show. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I I love that theme. James Newton Howard is going to continue to have his praises sung whether he likes it or not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I had a note sure. again. Ah, yeah. I, I had a note here that um, that's that's where I was going. Uh, I believe it was yesterday, but where he loses himself uh, in the drama of his speech, mm. he gets caught up in what he's saying that he doesn't even. I don't think he knows there's people in the room anymore. Yeah. I think he's on his soapbox. He's like, "This is the wonderful thing that we are going to do. That I'm going to do. I'm going to go mm-hmm. to this island. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be the most famous movie producer in the world." And then it gets undercut. <laughs> by sleazy executive mm-hmm. with <laughs> aptly named oh my gosh i hate this so much <laughs> like this I is know. painful it's so painful i uh what i can't i don't know who said this quote but i found it a couple of times like and this is to, to your point about the the sleazy executive but um it was thought that they greenlit this movie um and i found this quote i don't know who said it unfortunately i could not find it but they had this idea that because of that movie i talked about the other day it was like king Mm -hmm. um they were like we'll we'll potentially greenlight uh king kong uh, from the original Mm -hmm. because gorillas plus sexy women in peril equals enormous profit i don't know who said that that's the Mm. quote but it's just like that to me is is jackson going yeah, that was that was the thing. That's why that you know <laughs> that there. I could see that. That's that guy. Yeah. That's that guy who was funding the original sure. movie. I mean, given the context of that movie that you talked about in previous episodes, with Jackson literally including this line, I have to believe that he knew that that movie existed. Oh, I, I'll bet. If not having seen oh, for it, sure. Yeah, uh, I I think it's too closely tied to yeah. the original to not for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. But on the bright side, we also get the most Jack Black delivered line in this whole movie. I know. Boobies? 
<laughs> it's, it's the most Jack Black of the Jack Black. <laughs> like, and it's great because like he's coming out of his like his of uh, his revelry, basically mm-hmm. his just like his zone here of just like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, like he's seeing Carl Denham in lights on Broadway in his head, and then just what? Just <laughs> scratch. Yeah, he's literally gonna say that record scratch boobies. <laughs> what are you an it's idiot? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh man! Also, has anyone ever, ever used euphemisms like jigglies, jablongas, or bazooms? Ever? No, and I'm fairly certain no one ever did again. I'm certain this <laughs> moment rippled out through time and just obliterated anyone's remotest like impulse to ever use those terms ever again. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've this never was so heard heinous. It. I'm quite, no, it's so I'm bad. quite fond of using first and last time. <laughs> Last time? Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's heinous. But, I mean, like, back in those days, I would like to say it's a lot better. I don't really know if it is, but, like, you know, the kind of creeps that were around, especially back Mm. then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no, like... Things suck now, but in so many ways, they are just objectively better. No, they and are. it is most definitely better than yeah. this. I mean, the exploitation of even like young children yeah. stars mm-hmm. and this kind of thing is like, but yeah, it's like poor Judy Garland. Oh, oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, so many, so many. At least we can say Hollywood would be uh would be better now in 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 ways worse in other ways. Originality might be dead, but but yeah, at, least... at least we're not as sleazy. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's a, uh, it's uh, it was very com- uh, very common back then, especially when yeah. it comes, especially yeah. with exploiting uh, indigenous peoples mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah, will let's go to this. Ran- I mean, like this guy's like, let's go to this random island nobody's been to. Hey, let's hope there's boobies. That yeah. I mean, yeah, who, what do they do? Who are they? What are they? You know, no, I don't care. As yeah. long as I make Ugh. a lot of money from hoarding men. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Quickly, yep. Quickly before we get censored. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, oh, I mean that's hilarious considering that like King Kong was like one of the last major pre-code right, films. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. On on the bright side, though, we get to see more payoff for uh, Jack Black's narcissism because mm-hmm. just like any other narcissist, they weren't catching on to his vision that he was putting out in front of them. And his instant reaction is anger. Mm-hmm. Yep. What are you, an idiot? They they weren't yeah. following along his delusions, and he's like, like, "Are you kidding me? I'm so much better than these people. They're not getting it." Yeah, no, it's that like egomaniacal. Did you not hear a single thing I just said? <laughs> You're not listening. Hold up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just promise me we don't have to ever hear those words again. The euphemisms that I previously mentioned. Are we done with that? <laughs> Like I said, first and last time. I'll go ask my I wife. Like Hold on. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I can think of at least one other um, patron of Kenny K's uh, establishment Oof. other than Weston. Sleazy executive. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, I don't like that. Nope. We'll get there, unfortunately. All right, but that is pretty much all on my end. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I have nothing more to say about boobies. All right, that's a different minute by minute. One Oof. that'll never happen. <laughs> Unless you join okay. our Patreon. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
I want my check, Terry. It's been years. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for listening, everyone. I guess that's it for this minute, uh, which, again, minute number nine, closing it out. Uh, Kyle, can you close out the week with us tomorrow? I can squeeze in. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Awesome. That's exciting. So, All right, guys. You'll hear us when you hear us. On the next episode of the King, King Kong, Kong Minute. Minute. Bye, everyone.